0: Uh, if we all thought about for just a moment um, who we would describe as the most trustworthy person in our life is. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> You're in deep trouble if that's the case. <laughs> um, who that would be for you. Who comes to mind right away? Um, I wonder who that would be if, if we you had to if you're if you're married if you had to eliminate your spouse from the equation. Who would that be? Um, who comes to your mind um, as someone who is worth your trust? Because your trust. Um, is a big deal my trust is a big deal to give that to someone is a big deal turn to like one or two people and just if this person is worthy of your trust what does that tell you about what trust is Why are they worthy of your trust? What does trust mean? Just play with that a little bit together for just a couple of minutes. All right? Whoever came to your mind, you can say who it was if you'd like. Um, But if not, um, you don't have to, whatever. What does trust mean if that person embodies trustworthiness? Go for it. And I'll save you quick for those of you who are confused right now. Go for it. What, a, just kind of quickly, what are some of the things that are named as um, descriptions of trust or why these people um, are worth your trust and worthy of your trust? Anybody? Someone that, uh, allows
1: you to Vulnerability. it's a great yeah thank you
0: you talk about being reliable You're not just not telling your secrets but knowing what you need and helping you with it even if you don't ask mm-hmm. up. you guys hear that reliability showing up yeah, yeah chase implies they know you right or your story at least an element of your story that needs advocating for so good anything else It's history there cool. yeah so, uh, Sabrina
1: thanks Amen. honesty um,
0: faithfulness to Christ yeah. anybody else What we want to do this season is we're going to be looking at stories in the book of Acts. And we're going to be holding this idea of exploring trust. Um, and, I, and I think it fits. Um, I, think, I think it works. The book of Acts is um, the story of um, after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection and ascension. Um, the story of how the Holy Spirit comes... And really disrupts the ways of the world, um, inviting boundaries to come down, surprising boundaries to come down, and surprising relationships to be formed. A new order, some people call it. And it's a, it's a, it's a story of, of trust. It's a story of, of, of daring to trust in people that you might not have. Um, and in the, all these stories, it, it happens in very particular people. And so I want us to think about trust as we go through this season kind of um, broadly. But I also want us to explore these stories um And and invite the possibility that just like the Spirit works in these particular people, who've become famous stories because they're in the Bible, most of them, but to remember the the same Spirit who works in these particular people, this guy named Saul that we're going to look at today, works in us. And that the walls that come down begin to come down because the Spirit works very close to the ground, very close to our lives. Does that make sense? Um, I think I mentioned this a couple Sundays ago, but I, I shot an email out to some of the mental health specialists in our congregation about what trust might be. Um, and got some great responses. And one of the one of the responses was from Megan, and she said that trust implies that we're in this together. Um, that... A violation of trust means the story of us um, has been violated. And I wonder if thinking about the book of Acts like, as this like story of us, an expanding story of who, who us is um, because of God and Christ, um, might be something to kind of think about. So I want to read a story that you would no doubt heard before. And... Um, I want you to maybe hear it again for the first time. Um, I'm going to do my best to read it well and uh, invite the Spirit to move in us as we, as we hear it. Meanwhile, Saul was still spewing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest seeking letters to the synagogues in Damascus. If he found persons who belonged to the way, Whether men or women, these letters would authorize him to take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. During the journey, as he approached Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven encircled him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice asking him, "'Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me?' Saul asked, "'Who are you, Lord?' I am Jesus, whom you are harassing, came the reply. Now get up and enter the city. You will be told what you must do. Those traveling with him stood there speechless. They heard the voice, but saw no one. After they picked Saul up from the ground, he opened his eyes, but he couldn't see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and neither ate nor drank anything. And this voice asks him a question, and the question is, why are you hurting me? Why are you harassing me? Um, Jesus identifies with the ones who ask that question. He puts himself in that place. Does that make sense? The ones who, who, who say, why are you hurting me? Jesus identifies with. In this case, it's the, it's the people following Christ, right? It's the church. Um, but I got to thinking, like, who is, who is asking those questions in our society today? Um, who are the ones who are saying, why are you hurting me? It's generally the poor. It's generally women and children. And the gospel seems to say that Jesus particularly and especially identifies with anyone in a society who is asking that question. Why are you hurting me? And really there's no good response, right, other than just to stop, to stop hurting people. Saul's only response is, Who are you, Lord? To which Jesus replies, I am Jesus. And I want us to stay right here for a minute. I want to suggest that this is one of the most radical things that happens in this story for Paul. Paul says to him, Who are you? And Jesus replies, I am Jesus. Paul, up until this point, he's following um, a God who would allow him to behave the way he's behaving. It's an abstract God. Um, It's a way of life that has served him well, and he is promoting that way of life. He's following a distant God. And here in this incredible moment where he um, is encountered by Jesus, Jesus says to him, no, no, Jesus of Nazareth, the one you're persecuting is indeed God. And so what happens is Paul turns um, from an abstract Lord to a very concrete Jesus and that messes him up um, he turns from a God or a Lord that he aims to protect or please to one who asks him to follow in the delight of God Have you been around people who their ethic, their way of life um, is motivated by pleasing or protecting God? Um, And have you been around people who their life or their ethic is motivated by following Jesus? protecting God puts us in dangerous territory
1: um,
0: we see this in the news right now right we see we see a lot of a lot of social media posts a lot of speeches a lot of communication period that is religious argument that underneath if I think we look close enough there is this need to protect God which is causes division, which doesn't nurture trust. But before we get too, like, cozy, like, oh, I don't do that, you know, I even think sometimes, you know, we, we, we're a church that we, we, every Sunday we stand up here and we say, we are a community of followers of Jesus desiring to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God. Um, and I think we should take a look at ourselves too, those of us who really want to live into this vision. Um, is our justice work, is our mercy work coming from a place of delight in God and what God is doing? Or does it sometimes come from a place of protecting God of pleasing God and i want to say the good news of this is not not to be shamed by the good work we do but to be invited into understanding good justice and mercy work that we do as a stemming from the sheer delight that God has for God's creation, which you and me and Saul are a part of. Amen? I see some head nods. That means amen at Mountainside. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. Protecting and pleasing God. Um is not the end because God in Christ is pleased to dwell with us already. God is pleased to dwell with Saul in this story. Receive that good word. Whether you go out of here and do the most amazing justice work, the most amazing ethical live the most amazing ethical life, um, parent perfectly, you know, um, do whatever you need to do. What, whether you do it or not, God is pleased to dwell with creation. The story of us, the story of you and me and the creation, um, it's a story of trust in God. Um, and that has been declared and has been Made known in Jesus, and we are invited to live and delight in that. Um, Jesus does um, identify, though. Paul, Paul, Saul says, "Who, who, who are you, Lord?" And he says, "I am, I am Jesus." Um, God is made known in Christ. Um, And Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And who do we know that Saul is persecuting? He is persecuting um, the church, the people who are following Christ.
1: Um,
0: And so we get in this story this amazing identification, not only of Jesus with those people who ask that question of why are you hurting me, but we also get this identification of Jesus with the church. And I just, I just thought, you know, this is a moment for us to just say out loud. Who are some of the churches that have been important in our lives? Sam, who are some of the churches that have been important in our lives? Anyone go to first? Come on. Laguna Hills. Jesus identifies with that body. East Valley Baptist, Jesus identifies with the body of believers. Does it mean East Valley Baptist or Evie Free Laguna or Pasadena Nazarene has always done it right? No. <laughs> no. Does it mean that Mountside Communion has always done it right? No. But God is pleased to dwell with God's people even when we don't do it right. Are there other churches that need to be named? All Saints. All Saints. Amen. Mid-city. Mid-City. Church of the Nazarene. Amen. <laughs> to, to those. <laughs> yeah. Westwood Baptist. Westwood Baptist. Huh. Trinity, Lutheran. Trinity Lutheran. Yeah. Say that again? Yeah. Amen. Hmm. Amen. good again people are involved in churches and so pain happens division is experienced um, and God doesn't give up on any of us the story of us in God um, is not violated because of the spirit of God um, and the new thing God wants to do um there's this interesting part of this story where those traveling with him stood there speechless. And they heard the voice but saw no one. And after they picked Saul up from the ground, he opened his eyes, but he couldn't see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And I, and I, I, I sometimes go, man, they, they were there and they saw this. Um, or they heard this um, voice, but they didn't see anyone. Willie Jennings um, says this about this part of the story. He says, The hiddenness, this hiddenness, is not because God hides, but because, as Karl Barth says, God controls God's own self revealing. We do not. God comes to us one at a time, specifically, uniquely, in the singularity that is our life. Some big words there, but let that settle in. Um, The story of Saul um, and these observers, these listeners, um, is that God comes to us one at a time, specifically, uniquely, in the singularity that is our life. And when God comes to us, it makes us vulnerable. Vulnerable. It makes us vulnerable. Um, It's vulnerable to tell people that we do a certain thing with our life, that we come and spend our Sunday mornings in a certain way um, because Jesus met us. That's vulnerable. Um, Laugh with me. I was with my brother and his Wife, this week. I feel like I'm telling more stories about my brother in the last few months than I have like in 15 years. Um, And my brother is a football coach and we were at a, he he had a coach's clinic or meetings and so then tagged on a couple extra days and so Ari and I went out there to spend a couple days with them. But some of the other coaches kind of lingered around. And so we would hang out with these big time Division I coaches that were lingering um, and inevitably, they would turn to me and say, Oh, what do you do? Well, I had this experience with Jesus, and <laughs> so I'm a pastor of a church. Um, and they would, like, you know, there's a variety of responses. Um, the best ones were, Well, I know you're a pastor, but I'm going to still talk like I talk. And I'd go, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> The others was just kind of like, oh, that's cute kind of thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> a couple of them were, they were struck, and it was meaningful for them. They were people of faith. But it's vulnerable to tell people, and, that, and that's an easy, it's, that's, you all can hide a little bit if you want to. Um, but I hope that this is an environment where we, we encourage each other not to hide, but to be open to the vulnerability that the living God chooses to engage us, and that changes things, and that we can trust it, and we can trust it because we have each other, and we can trust it because God is faithful, and the story of us, which is a wide-open story for the whole world, is still intact. Um, It's a trustworthy story. But Willie Jennings is right. God reveals God's self as God wishes. And so I, I want to invite us this morning to just be thinking about what are those times that God revealed God's self as Jesus to you. The bride you here this Sunday morning.
1: Um,
0: and just to, to sit and 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 trust them and to be thankful for them. I'm sure in a room like this, we can all tell some pretty wild stories about how God got a hold of us. Um, And I want to invite us to remember those um, and thank God for those. And I also want to invite us as a church, as individuals who follow Jesus, um, to open ourselves up to God. Waiting and watching for the next time God in Christ might engage you. Might engage me. That we might experience an interaction with God like like Saul does here. Um, Now, it's not always blinding light and knocking you off your feet. Right? Conversion happens in a variety of ways. I don't think the point of this story is that always when God engages us, it looks like this. Um, God engages us all in a variety of ways um, according to kind of how God wants to and, and who we are. But mountainside, let's open ourselves up to the Spirit of God. Um. For some of you that's I want to read my Bibles again with in a fresh and honest way like I'm not suggesting we we go back to to doing things that have ran out of gas for us but I'm praying that God would give us a new naivete a new openness to all right God here I am you've got me where I am on this journey I'm going to re-engage with practices that the church has practiced for a long time um What might those be for us, for you?
1: Um,
0: One of those is prayer. And um, what we're going to do now as we prepare for the table is um, we're going to move into a time of prayer. And it's going to be the prayers of the people like we we often do. Um, And I just want to invite us to pray, you know, pray for what we need to pray for. Um, But maybe that's to pray for other churches. Pray for churches that have been important to us. Um, maybe that's whether it's spoken or just in our own kind of quiet. Um, to pray, God, I, I want to be open to you. I want to experience your, your presence. Um, and I'm open to what that looks like. Um, um, maybe we need to pray for people around the world, people in our lives. Um, whatever it might be, let's move, move into prayer together. And trust that the story of us with God is not done. The story of us with God continues. Um, and it's a story of trust.